Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, I just want to remind you that uh, our studio is inside Renaissance Bank on Windward Parkway in Alpharetta. That's one of 200 across the South ready to serve you. And if you want to work with the best bank in the state of Georgia, as voted on by the folks at Forbes magazine, Renaissance Bank. (laughs) And uh, I find that that's the case for me because they seem big enough to handle everything I can throw at them, but they're small enough to do it in a personal way. And uh, if that's the comp kind of combination you want in a bank for your business, I encourage you to go to renaissancebank.com and learn more. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Randy Hain. And Randy uh, is here to talk about his new book, his eighth book, Essential Wisdom. Randy, welcome. Thank you, John. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, it's a pleasure. Um I've been following you from afar, as I mentioned to, to you, so I'm delighted to have you on. You've done great work, and it's this book is tremendous. I'm just going to tell everybody right now, it's tremendous. Go get it, we'll, but we're, we're going to tell you why in this interview. But for the, for the two or three people that don't know you, Randy, <laughs> give them an introduction to you and your work. Absolutely, John. So uh, I'm the president of a company called Servian Partners. And through that business, I do executive coaching for the Fortune 5000, work with senior leaders and teams, do a lot of leadership consulting work. I'm also the co-owner of another company called Leadership Foundry. And we do uh, high development uh, leadership development programs for uh, leaders for global companies. And um, also a, uh, an author, as you know, as we're going to talk about today, and a uh, proud husband and father. So uh, that's that's what I hang my hat on. That's awesome. And you do a lot of work around the intersection of work and faith. I do. Um, I, I believe it's important that we all strive to live an integrated life where, you know, you just be consistently the same person at all times. So that that's a topic that matters to me. Terrific. Now, your book is called Essential Wisdom. Why, after seven books, why is the eighth uh, Essential Wisdom? You know, uh, this is a this is an interesting book for me because it sat on my desk, John, for three years, taunting me, and I just couldn't finish it. And it uh, it really began uh, as this desire I had to share what I've learned through all the leadership work I've done over the years. I've been a frontline executive. I've led big teams. I've run companies, and I wanted to take those experiences plus my experiences as a coach and share something that truly every generation would benefit from. So uh, from the beginning, I've had this idea to share all that I've learned with 22-year-olds to 62-year-olds and everybody in between. And uh, this year, maybe it was, you know, having more time during COVID. Uh, I don't know what the, the, the catalyst was, but I got it done. And I got it done over summer vacation this year. Uh, got up early before my family got up every morning. And I just wrote for a few hours. And in July, we got it finished. That's terrific. Now, as you alluded to, uh, this book is designed for all generations. And in fact, the Complete title of the book, folks, is Essential Wisdom for Leaders of Every Generation. Mm -hmm. So what are the eternal 
lessons that all generations can learn? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I would kind of start with the premise that I think we all assume that we don't get into some of the topics I write about until we're established leaders. And I come at it from a very different perspective. I think in your college years, maybe even your high school years, young people, aspiring leaders uh, especially, really need to learn about authenticity and candor and clarity and curiosity and gratitude and time management. These are all things we don't want to wait until we're in our late 20s, early 30s to master. So I wanted to write a book that that young aspiring leader, but also that established leader that wants to elevate their game, can all find value in. And that's really how the book came out. That's terrific. Now, one of the questions uh, or messages that you get into in the book is those factors that help instill resilience and strength, uh, and and that's a particularly important time in the or a subject in the times that we're in. You know, I um, there are a lot of different ways to answer that, but when I think about what really helps leaders be resilient, I may have a contrarian point of view. I think it's important to be authentic. I think it's important to be ourselves and not conform to society's expectations of us. We live in a very divisive time. It's not just COVID, but I think politically, it's a very challenging time for anybody. But when you think about showing up as a leader every day uh, at your workplace, my encouragement is to really focus on being the real you. Be authentic and uh, and live up to your values. Live up to the principles that you believe in. I think it's important right now for us to be consistently who we are and not try to be someone that we're not. And I think, to me, that is one of the best ways to be resilient and show up well at work. That's hard to do in a uh, social media-driven age, Right. It is indeed. And, uh, you know, listen, I I could spend uh, three shows with you talking about the the evils and the perils of social media. You know, I participate in social media, but selectively. Mm. But I do think um, we have a tendency to uh, develop almost an alter ego, an alternative life uh, through social media. You know, Facebook is about the life we want to have, right? Mm -hmm. Look at everybody's dream house and dream vacation. Mm. But I think, you know, we've got to balance that with just really living in the real world and thinking about what matters. And for some, it's faith. For some, it's family. Maybe it's both. Um, maybe it's doing a great job at work. Maybe it's developing the people around you. Whatever it is that motivates you, live there and live in that real place. And just be careful about how much you engage with social media because it often leads down some pretty perilous paths that do not uh, end well. So I just encourage people to focus on what's real. Great advice from Randy Hain. He's with Servium Partners and the author of Essential Wisdom for Every for Leaders of Every Generation. Uh, so, Randy, one of the themes of your book is relationships and <clears throat> building and maintaining great relationships. Talk about the how of that, if you would. Absolutely. And as a bit of a backdrop, John, uh, I describe myself as a high-functioning introvert. 
Um, I love people, but by the end of the day, I'm a bit of a zombie, but I'm really strong in the morning. So over the years, I've had to work really hard at building authentic business relationships. And I really value the the experiences I've had. So when I work with other leaders uh, or aspiring leaders on this topic, I always try to stress to them that authentic business relationships are foundational. You've got to start with having those relationships because if you've got that, then you can layer on trust and candor and communication and collaboration uh, in order to really thrive at work and thrive in your personal lives. So I think when you've got a really good foundation of business relationships or authentic relationships, all those other things that we care about and value uh, will be able to, to live and thrive. So I, I'm, I'm a big believer in focusing on really getting to know people, uh, make it a win-win. It's not all about us. It's a, about you know each of us individually. It's about us as, as, a, as a group, as, a, as, as two people trying to come together. So I, I think it's paramount that we focus on that and make it a big part of our lives. Now, one I guess big subtopic there that you talk about in the book is something you call RAPKG. <laughs> so let's decipher that for our audience. So RAPKG is random acts of praise, kindness, and gratitude. And it came from a coaching meeting I had with a leader several years ago. Uh, she was looking uh, for ways to engage with her stakeholders at work in a different way, an authentic but different way. So in a fit of caffeine-inspired inspiration, uh, we got up on our whiteboard and I wrote out R-A-P-K-G and I put her in, a, in the center of a circle and we drew lines out to all the different people that were in her network. And I said, why don't you think about every Monday when you get up, think about how you're going to uh, praise, show kindness to, show gratitude to uh, all these different people in your network and just make it about reaching out with no expectation of return and just focus on this idea of every day, every week, every month, how do I show these wonderful traits to other people? And that became the basis for my thinking around rap keg, which really it's a, it's a wonderful way to live. It's a wonderful way to change cultures. There's so many positive aspects of it, but if you start your day thinking about how I can be kind and generous and praise others, really your, your day is going to be fantastic if that's where you're starting. For sure. For sure. Um, and you talk in the book about creating ripples. What a way to create ripples, right? Yeah. You know, St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, you know, often talked about, um, you know, I can't change the world, but I can cast a stone and cast many and, and create ripples. And that's what I want everybody to think about, because, you know, we can get overwhelmed by the challenges in the world. There are a lot of problems right now. But you and I, in our circle of influence, can do something positive today and help one other person that's going to create a positive ripple effect. So every day, let's think about through the folks we encounter, how do we create that effect of uh, positive ripples? I think it's a great way to think. Yeah. And, and it's, you can't control ripples. You can't control where they go. So you, you're, you're dropping uh, that stone in the water, if you will, to extend the metaphor and it will go where it will go. And you just have faith that your, your work and your actions uh, have an effect on someone down the road. I totally agree with that. And I think it all starts with is the, is the stone that you dropped, you know, uh, is it colored by your positivity 
or is it colored by your negativity? Mm. So if I put a negative stone in the water, there's going to be a negative ripple effect that's potentially going to have horrible uh, ramifications. But if I put a positive stone in the water, it's much more likely that there's going to be some goodness that comes from that. Randy, you talk about the in the book mentoring the next generation. Mm-hmm. So how does uh, – two parts to this question. How, how does one – be a good mentor and, and let's talk to the mentees out there. How do you be a good mentee as well? I love that question. Um, you know, so when I think about being a good mentor, I think, you know, my generation, I'm a, I'm an older Gen X and I think Gen X and boomers, uh, definitely have a responsibility to really look at the generations coming after us and really invest there. But there's a starting place that I always recommend, you know, I think we need to be self-aware about whatever gifts or talents we may have. What is it that we have to offer other people? And then we need to invest in the next generation, possibly the way that someone invested in us. So identifying those maybe younger aspiring leaders, uh, those men and women around us that potentially would benefit from just an investment of time, and then be intentional about, you know, staking out what you'd like to accomplish you know, sort of define how the relationship will go and then start making those investments. I think everybody has something good to offer. And I hope that everybody that listens to this show will think of themselves as a mentor because we all have an opportunity and quite frankly, a responsibility to do it. On the flip side, if you're a younger or aspiring leader, uh, potentially a mentee, you know, I think this is a wonderful opportunity for you to engage with someone that's more seasoned, has more um, experience, and really learn from them. And my ask of you would be to take it seriously, um, really honor your commitments to being a good mentee, which means showing up on time, being prepared. But I would ask um, even more than that, that you be curious. I'm a, I'm a, a big believer in curiosity. And good mentees ask great questions. Mm. They're really interested in learning. And then a good companion to curiosity is be a good listener. Absorb what you hear and apply it in your life. So I, I love that question, but I hope mentors and potential mentees will heed my advice and go down that path. I'm glad you brought up curiosity because I was going to bring that up as, as a topic that you cover kind of on its own in your book. Yeah. That's an area where sometimes as we age, and unfortunately I can speak from experience there, uh, we, we, yeah, we, we maybe lose our capacity for curiosity, right? I mean, it's, it's, that's a, a youthful trait sometimes that we lose. You know, I, um, I, I may come at that a little bit differently. I, I, um, I was trained by my parents at a very young age to always be curious. Mm. So that's just something that's been instilled in me since I was a little kid. And I love to learn about people. So I always begin any, any conversation with, tell me about yourself. Tell me about life outside of work. And I really want to learn about people. So I value curiosity because I think it unlocks the richness of a conversation and it unlocks potentially the richness of a future relationship. If we can just ask good questions and listen and put things on the table, because the more I learn about John Ray, the more I can figure out what do we have in common? Oh, Mm -hmm. we're both dads. Oh, we're both husbands. Oh, you know, we both care about the same things. And then we can really take our relationship to the next level. But 
when I think about um, why I wrote about curiosity, I meet a lot of people, and, and listen, I, I love working with young leaders. I love it. I'm on college campuses a lot. But I find that a lot of these young people are not being taught curiosity. They often talk at you. They will tell you what they want. They will tell you what they think, but they're not necessarily asking questions about you. So I really thought it was important to include a chapter on how to cultivate curiosity as a skill. That's the chapter. Mm-hmm. And um, and I hope it helps people really understand the power and the value of it. One other thing, John, I mentioned earlier, I'm a high-functioning introvert. One of the things that that encourages me and energizes me about really making the effort to go meet people because I don't have a lot of energy for that is I'm always interested in learning something new Mm. and you can't learn something new unless you ask good questions. Yeah, I get it. makes perfect sense. Uh, So I'm going to shift gears here just a minute, get into something entirely practical, which is, the, the, you talk about dysfunctional meetings and how to uh, fix them and avoid them. So let's get into that. Well, you know, that, uh, that originated um, from a lot of uh, work I do with clients about um, time management and prioritization. And I've come to realize over the, the last decade or so, one of the biggest time thieves out there is dysfunctional business meetings. Think about how many meetings you attend where, you know what, we're getting together, we're having an interesting conversation, there's no agenda, there's no to-do list, there's no action follow-up, and then we have to have another meeting because that one wasn't very productive. (laughs) So when I think about, you know, what are some takeaways for your audience, I would say these are probably five things that I would encourage you to think about. Ask yourself, why are we even having the meeting in the first place? Is it necessary? Sometimes it's not. Sometimes an email is enough. So don't don't waste people's time if you don't even have a good reason for the meeting. Secondly, always have an agenda. You know, people need to understand what are we going to talk about? And, and sometimes we may not be needed in the meeting. The agenda may say something that's not really relevant for me. Maybe I don't need to attend. Mm-hmm. But have a good agenda that's clear. I think another element here is really be clear about the ownership of tasks. Every meeting, if it's productive, is going to lead to some action item. Make sure there's clarity about who owns that. Make sure there's clarity about deadlines. And then one final note is have someone take notes. Have a scribe assigned to recap the meeting and send those notes out to the attendees. That all may seem like really just common sense stuff. I assure you, 75% of the meetings that I hear about and participate in don't have those elements, and they're often inefficient. They they waste time. So those are just some of the things you'll learn in that chapter about fixing dysfunctional business meetings. Yeah, and that's an important component of, you you alluded to the question of time, and you talk about the value of time in the book, and that's just one of the elements of of maintaining the sanctity of time. You know, time is uh, is one of our most, if not our most precious resource, and it's a finite resource. You know, if you uh, if you waste money, you can go make more money, but if you lose time, it's gone. Mm. So you've got to be thinking every day, how do I be a good steward of the time that I've been given today? And if you think about all the ways that we waste time, either intentionally or unintentionally, it's actually a tragedy. And what if, and I think this book helps, what if I can help you get back three or four hours of your week back on the calendar. I mean, just think personally, John, what would you do if someone gave you the gift of four extra hours a week back? Mm. I mean, 
we, we could do fun things with that. Absolutely. But that's what uh, that's what I try to get at with my clients, and the book helps to really encourage people to be more efficient, streamline how they spend their time, and really start to repurpose that time into something more meaningful. I, you know, again, folks, I encourage you to get the book "Essential Wisdom for Leaders of Every Generation." So it's good for all ages, folks. Uh, uh, Randy's new book, his eighth book, it's it's terrific, and it's a, it's a good book to kind of dip in and dip out of, uh, and gets a few nuggets of essential wisdom to mull on as you go about your day. Um, Randy, I want to shift gears just a minute and talk about your, uh, coaching practice. Um, let's, let's uh, first, I want to talk about how you work with clients, but let's dive under the hood for a second. Um, and talk about how you prepare to coach, uh, the CEOs and other individuals you coach. You know, um, when you're in the business that I'm in, you accumulate a lot of experiences, a, a specific point of view about certain things. But when I'm thinking about a new coaching client, I kind of start with a blank canvas. And when I meet them for the first time, uh, which is really the like the first step in the process, I'm asking a lot of questions. Uh, I alluded earlier to the power of curiosity, but I really want to get to know someone. And I'm asking a lot of personal and business questions. One of my favorite is, can you tell me about your life outside of work? It's an open-ended question. You can tell me whatever you want or as little as you want, but I learn a lot as I'm listening to people. I may ask you about what causes touch your heart. Uh, Where do you invest time when you're not working? I'm, I'm trying to get at the complete person. Uh, so I, really, I want to understand all of it. And I'll ask plenty of work questions too. But then I want to understand what is it that you would like to get out of the coaching relationship? What are you shooting for? What's the goal? And then if I've listened well and I've really paid attention, I can start to maybe identify some obstacles that are in the way of my client's success. So in the coaching engagement, which is typically a six-month engagement, through those conversations, through a robust 360 feedback process, through assessments I use, I'm helping to identify and eliminate the obstacles between my client and the success that they want to achieve. But to your really good question, John, it all starts with asking great questions and listening well. Because I think if I do that, I'm not giving some off-the-shelf solution. I'm giving you a very thorough, customized solution that suits you. And that's always my goal. So, Randy, this may be an obvious question, but I'm I'm good at asking obvious questions. So, <laughs> so what if I'm a CEO uh, or someone in a position of leadership, and how do I know I need coaching from Randy Hain? That is a great question, and I think there are a couple of ways that you can maybe come to self awareness about this. And, and self awareness is a really key word because sometimes when you're in the heat of battle every single day, you may not recognize that you've gotten off track. Mm. You may not recognize that, you know, what there are a few skills that you might need to add to your portfolio. So I think, you know, if I'm a CEO or any senior executive that I work with, you probably want to always be asking for candid feedback from trusted people around you. You know, how am I doing? Um, Where can I get better? What can I improve in? And don't ask for the generic, uh, you're awesome boss. Don't ask, don't ask for those kind, don't ask for that kind of feedback, but really get people that you trust to tell you, where could I improve? I want to be a better CEO. Give me three ideas. 
And as you're asking those questions and getting that feedback, uh, you know, that's one way to do it. Or maybe you're just so self-aware that you recognize, you know what, something's not right. I need to elevate my game. Or maybe I've taken over a new company and uh, a new a new position and I need some help to really be successful. Or maybe I want to get to the next level and I need to um, elevate my game and work on a few things to be ready for that next job. There are a host of ways that clients can consider engaging with an executive coach. Uh, and those are just a few. The ones that I most typically work with, the, the, the leaders I work with the most consistently really fall into three buckets. There is the senior leader who is aspiring for the next level role. There is the leader who is off track. They're, they've done well. They've, they've had great success but somehow they've gotten off track and they need to get back on track. And then there is the leader that, you know, really is just trying to assimilate into a new company, a new team, and they need some help. They need a Sherpa for the journey. So those are typically the three kinds of executives that I work with. You know, it strikes me that uh, your the work that you do has a return that is intangible. I mean, really, total, almost totally intangible for a lot of leaders, yet invaluable <laughs> uh, in terms of getting them from one place to another. Ad- address that as you talk to your clients about that. Absolutely. You know, I think the hallmark of good coaching is to create independence. And let, let me explain that. At the beginning of a coaching relationship, you know, quite frankly, that uh, coachee may feel some dependency on the coach, me or anybody, to help them through this this journey. But my goal is to help them look in the mirror, really master the skills they need to master, overcome the obstacles they need to overcome. Uh, I've got a very thorough development plan process where we instill uh, some very specific actions, some some things that we do to help them through the six months move from dependence on me to complete independence. So one of the greatest intangibles is for you to get to a place where you feel you don't need a coach. I always tell people uh, that I work with, uh, I'm not your friend, I'm your coach. But in our last meeting, when we're completely done, uh, we can be friends after that. Mm. But right now, I'm here to help you and guide you. Let's connect in a few months when we're done and see how you're doing. But by and large, I want my clients to feel independent. They can stand alone. And what we've worked on, to your point is now embedded in their DNA. They have mastered candor. They're wonderful at clarity. Their communication has gone up three levels. All the different things that we've worked on, and quite frankly, a lot of what's in essential wisdom comes out of my playbook. So if you want to know what I work with clients on, it's in my book. But those are the things that I think are that, that's that intangible element that you talk about. I'm trying to equip leaders for life, not just for a quick coaching engagement. Terrific. Randy Hain, folks, uh, Servium Partners is the name of his practice. Uh, Randy, what's next for you? What's up? What, what's coming up for you? Well, you know, you and I were uh, joking at the beginning about, you know, what's going on. And I said, I'm busy and blessed. Always mm-hmm. got plenty to do between, you know, running one company, half of another, and I've got a busy family life. And I just wrote a new book. Well, because I guess I'm a glutton for punishment, I'm actually beginning to think about a new book. Mm. And um, it's titled Upon Reflection. And I'm, I am just 
enthralled with the idea of helping leaders be more reflective, to be able to really reflect on experiences, on life, uh, look in the mirror and really understand where have I been, where am I going? And you, you and I were talking earlier about social media. Social media is always about what's next, what's next, what's the what's the thing that you don't have that you need. It's always this almost uh, uh, this interesting and sometimes unhealthy journey to get more, acquire more, think ahead. I want to write a book that will help leaders like you and me and aspiring leaders to look backwards, look in the mirror, reflect. So the book is going to be a series of reflections, both personal and business, on what I've learned from failures and successes and how it shaped me as a human being. And I want I want people to find value in that kind of thinking. Wow. Something to look forward to, folks, from Randy Hain. But while you're waiting for that book, um, go check out Essential Wisdom. Uh, it's terrific. I, I, I can't recommend it enough, and I think you'll really enjoy it if you go pick it up. Randy, this has been great, and uh, I can't imagine there aren't some folks that aren't uh, that are listening to this interview that wouldn't want to be in touch. So let's give them your coordinates and how they can do that. Absolutely. Thank you, John. You know, the book is available through Amazon, Essential Wisdom for Leaders of Every Generation. My website is serviumpartners.com, S-E-R-V-I-A-M partners.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn. Um, But uh, yeah, number of ways to connect with me. And uh, I appreciate very much the time today and having me on. It's been my delight. Thanks so much, Randy. Thank you. Hey, folks, just a uh, quick reminder and and a suggestion. If you want a different way to do some team building work, um, stand around a table and cut up vegetables and season meat. (laughs) And that's what they do over at A&S Culinary Concepts. Uh, Andrew Traub and his team over there do tremendous work. And I've been over there several times and they've got a culinary studio that's beautiful and They do a lot of great corporate catering work, but they also do some corporate team building events that are terrific. So if you want to know more on how that works, uh, or would just like to be in touch in general for some of their corporate catering work, uh, call it's call six, seven, eight, three, three, six, nine, one, nine, six, uh, or go to asculinaryconcepts.com or go by and see them, uh, and he'll give you a tour. Andrew will Jones, uh, they're on Jones bridge road in Johns Creek. And folks, just a quick reminder. Uh, we've, we've passed show number 400 from North Fulton business radio, and we've only done that because of your great support. We appreciate it. And if you're not a subscriber to the show, just go to your favorite podcast app and search North Fulton business radio and subscribe. And uh, we'll uh, you'll continue to get a stream of shows with great business leaders like Randy, uh, who have uh, uh, graced us uh, over the years. So for my guest Randy Hain, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.